little while. And for those that are online tonight, uh, welcome to you. It's so good to know that you're with us, those that are with us real time, and those that will be with us in the days ahead or in the hours ahead on your time zone. We look forward to having you here and to be part uh, of this prayer meeting that has really gone worldwide. And up to, we get requests from up to 211 different countries and dependencies. And if ever there was a time to pray, this is the time to pray now. We're living in a generation that are desperately needing a touch of God. We're desperately needing the spiritual revival and awakening in our time. And I happen to believe that God is more than willing to do that as we cry out to him. So, Father, I want to thank you tonight, God, for the touch of heaven, Lord Jesus Christ, on your word, the touch of heaven in this sanctuary. Lord, how you are meeting each one of us right where we are at. And as the young lady shared tonight, we think we're pursuing you, but you are the one holding on to us. You are the one who came for us. We didn't come for you. And you found us. We didn't find you. You were never lost. We were lost. And so, God, I want to just thank you in Jesus' name for giving an anointing to your word tonight, enabling me, God, to speak into the deepest recesses of the human heart. God Almighty, we ask you tonight to bring people out of captivity, bring them out of darkness, bring them out of weakness into the strength of our God. Lord Jesus Christ, do a work, God, that only you can do at this time. And we give you praise and give you glory for it in your mighty and holy name. Amen. So I have a question on my heart, and that's what the sharing is about tonight. Is Jesus groaning over you? Is Jesus groaning over you? John chapter 11, if you'll go there with me, John 11, we're going to begin at verse 32 in a very, very familiar story in the Bible. The scripture says, then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. So it must have been an audible groan that the people who were witness to this event actually heard. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of, some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Now, the scripture tells us that there was a particular man called Lazarus who became sick. And when he was sick, his family sent for Christ, for they knew at this point that Jesus Christ had the power to heal, just as we do tonight. We know he has the power to heal. We know he can deliver. We know he can set the oppressed free. We know he can give sight to those who can't see a way forward. We know that God can do all things. And we, we, we come to him, and we're, we come with an expectancy in a sense. He has told us that he loves us. When they sent to Jesus, they said, Jesus, the man that you love is sick. So there's no other way they could have known that Jesus loved him other than perhaps at the table one night. It's only my conjecture, but 
Jesus must have said, Lazarus, I just love you. I love the way you are. I love, I love the kind of a heart you have. I love that you're my friend. He, somehow that love was conveyed. So it was, it was a natural thing in a sense when Mary and Martha, the two sisters of this man, knew he was very, very gravely ill to send for Jesus, saying the man that you love is sick, supposing that he was going to come immediately. But he didn't come immediately. As a matter of fact, he tarried for a certain amount of time, just enough time that this man Lazarus could die. And, you know, when the, the scripture tells us, he said to his disciples in chapter 11, verse 11, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. The first person he encounters when he gets there is one of the sisters of this man who had just died called Martha. And when she approached Jesus, she said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How many people in our society today are feeling that way? How many people online tonight are feeling that way? There was a time, Jesus, that we called out to you. And when we called out to you, we believed that you loved us. We were told in church that you loved us. We believed that we were the apple of your eye, as the scripture says, and that you went to a cross just for us, just to get us. And you loved us. But when we called to you, you didn't come. Because if you had come, our families would be intact. How many people online tonight, you're, you're listening to these words and you're saying, if he had come when I called, my family could have been salvaged. My situation could have been a whole lot different than it is this day. If you had come, Jesus, our futures would not be filled with sorrow. Here they are in the cemetery. They've just buried their brother. He's been dead for four days. And, and that most likely meant even their security was gone because it, it, in that culture, of course, the, the, the brother, if he was the eldest in the family, would, would in a sense be their security for the future. Our futures look like they're gone. Our futures are filled with sorrow. We, we had such hope, especially because we once had you with us in our home, dining at our table, and now you didn't come. You ever felt that way? Anybody here ever felt that way? You prayed and he didn't come? He didn't come when you called to him? He didn't come seemingly when you needed him the most? He didn't, he didn't come to you when you were sick and you knew you were dying and you knew there was no other way out and, and you, you assumed he was going to come on your timetable, but he didn't show up when you called. And then when he does, the thought is in our hearts, if only you would have come sooner. If only you would have come when we needed you. Our present would not be looking as hopeless as it now does. And, and many, many people are sitting in church all over the, or maybe just sitting in your living room tonight listening to this message, and your present looks hopeless to you because you don't even know why you're at a prayer meeting tonight. Let me be honest with you. Let me just speak right into your situation. You're looking at the screen tonight, and you don't even know why you're looking at it. You say, oh, I tried this before. It didn't work. I called out. Nobody came. Things are just getting worse. I've called out to Jesus you told me he loves me. You told me he died. You told me when he rose from the dead that he took my captivity captive, and yet here I am, filled with sorrow and looking so hopeless. Now, verses 20 to 27, she said, If you'd been here, my brother would not have died, but even now I know whatever you ask of God, he, he will give it to you. In other words, 
Martha is saying, we neither trust you nor your ways of doing things, but we will continue with you in a relationship that doesn't require faith anymore. Oh, come on now. There's so many people like that all over the church world now that in a relationship with God that requires no faith. I'll, I'll take my broom and I'll do my thing for the kingdom of God, but don't ask me to believe for miracles anymore. Don't ask me to believe for the impossible because when I did call out, you didn't come. You see, people are like that because they don't want to get disappointed again. We don't want to get our hopes up one more time. We don't want to listen. You don't even want to listen to me tonight if you're, if you're honest about it. You say, preacher, don't get my hopes up one more time just to be disappointed once again. And then Martha, of course, goes on and she just, he's trying to tell her, he says, she says, but I know that even now, whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. And then he, he responds, says, your brother will rise again. And she says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection and the last day. In other words, you fooled me once before, but you're not going to get me this time. I do believe you, but I don't believe for now. I believe for the future. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe you're the Messiah. And I believe one day every, everyone will rise from the grave. Everyone will stand at your throne, but not now. The victory is not now. So don't get my hopes up. I do believe that he will rise again in the resurrection and the last day. Jesus is speaking about now, but Martha is speaking about the future. And it can actually be a cover-up for unbelief. I believe, but not for now. I believe for some time way in the future. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Not just I will bring resurrection and life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the Son of God. I have the power to bring death back to life again. It is my voice that will open the graves at the end of time. I will be the judge of the living and the dead. I was there in the beginning with God. Without me was nothing created that God created in the beginning. I am the Word of God. Who is with God, I am God. I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And Martha says, yes, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who's come into the world. And she's not willing to deny him. She's not willing to say, no, you are the hope that we've always looked for, but not now. You had your chance and you didn't come. That's essentially what she was saying. She's very, very angry with Jesus at this point in her life. She's covering it all up with religion. She's covering it up with scripture. But realistically, she says, when we called, you didn't come, so don't make any promises to me now. In other words, she's the type of, of a person that says, God, your, your promises may have worked for somebody else at some other time, but not for me, not now, not here, not ever, except maybe on the day of the resurrection. And when she had said these things, she went and called her sister. And, and when Mary came, verse 32, and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. You see, when even those who loved him the most were weeping. You know, we can get that way in society, can't we? We might be that way today. When people are looking around, they're looking around at drag shows for children in our schools. They're looking around at gender confusion, deliberate gender confusion in, in our grade schools. They're lo looking at a, a perversion that's taking over our society, destroying our marriages, our homes, our bodies, our minds, looking at the, the feeble people who are getting into leadership that don't even have a soundness of mind. They're saying, God, what's happening to us? Where are you? We have been, how many people have been in prayer meetings calling out for the nation? calling out for the future, saying, God, you have to do something for us. Come to us. Our nation is sick. 
We're becoming reprehensible in our thinking. We're becoming reprobates in our practice. Oh, Jesus, our homes are under attack. We're sick as a society. We're dying in our streets. Our children don't know the way forward. Come, Lord Jesus. And it's met with silence. And we get to the point where even those who, who loved him the most, those who, you, you, read, you read your Bible in the morning, you cried hot tears when God started speaking to your heart. You loved to worship him in church, but now you're among the disappointed, the weeping. Where were you? you we thought you loved us. And when Jesus saw Mary weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, the, the Jews, the, the, the promised people of God, the people who had a history of miraculous deliverances and power, the people that Jesus was now doing miracles among, the stories of him were everywhere. The, this man could walk on water. This man could give sight to the blind. This man was fearless in his proclamation of truth. And yet even they are weeping. And when he saw them all weeping, it's, the scripture says he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where, where, where have you laid him? Where, where, did you, where did you put your hopes? Where did you lay down your future or your vision of what the future should be or how you once thought God would answer your prayers? And he was groaning. And then the scripture says in verse 35, Jesus wept. He wept because it was in his heart to do what only God can do. It was in his heart to do it his way, his work, and in his time, and among the people. You see, I think sometimes if Jesus shows up before everything is dead, before there's no hope of resurrecting it in the natural, we will touch the glory, we will take the glory, we will share the glory, we will talk about we called him and he came at our calling. It will be about us and Jesus, but us and Jesus. But the situation has arisen now in this graveyard where it's not about us anymore because there's nobody there that believes he'd come on time and not a single person believed that he was capable of raising something which had died in their sight. And he wept. And I think that Jesus was looking into the future. My friend online tonight I think he saw you. I think he saw people in their living rooms who just could not rouse themselves at certain stages in their life to believe that he is the son of God and that he can do things that only God can do and that his coming to you is not late. As a matter of fact, he's right on time. He's right on time when you can't raise yourself out of your situation. He's right on time when your situation is ir irreparable in the natural. He's right on time when it looks hopeless. And there's no go-forward strategy anymore. No, he's right on time. I've learned that about God over the years. He's not on my time. He's on his time. And his time is right on time. He's never late. We think he's late, but he's not late. He knew when he was coming to that graveyard. He knew the day he was going to show up. And he groaned inside. And I, I feel this groaning of God for people now. I feel this groaning of God for a nation. I, I feel this groaning of God for his people in God's house all over the country. I feel this groaning. It's the same groaning that was in the garden because so many people have put their hopes way into the future. They've given up on the nation. They've given up on families and marriage and children and government and all the rest of it. They've given up hope even for the future. And there's a groan 
inside his heart, and he says to those that were gathered around, did I, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? The glory of God in the Greek is the doxa of God, which means it's the it's, it's, it's that which is of God that brings his own name to reputation. Not, not God in us, God alone. Only him, nobody else. The glory. Did I not say that if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God? I believe that we're going to see a spiritual awakening in our generation. I believe it with all my heart. I believe God's going to do something in this time that only God can do. Because we've run out of gas. We've hit the wall. We don't know where to go. We don't have a strategy for the future. We are losing the battle that's in front of us. But God is still God, and he shows up in his own time. Hallelujah. And when he speaks, death has to give way. When he speaks, circumstances must change. When he speaks, hopelessness turns to hope. When he speaks, captivity becomes freedom. When he speaks, addiction break. Marriages are healed. Children's minds are set right. When he speaks, evil is put out of authority in the nation and righteousness begins to exalt the nation one more time. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And then he said, take away the stone. Take away that that thought process that where you, where you took this area of your life and you, you rolled a gravestone in front of it and said, it will never change. I will never be free. There was a chance a little while back that I could have been set free, but you see, I died. My hope died. My, my, my sense of well-being died. My, my future died. And I just rolled a stone and I'm just going to be content to try to ride it out until the last day. Jesus said, no, take the stone away. Take the stone. For you and me, that means be willing to be vulnerable one more time. Be willing to trust me one more time and roll that stone away. That, that whatever thought it is that you placed in front of that area of your life where you say, it'll never be. It's too late. It's been too long. I called. Jesus, you didn't answer. Jesus says to you, roll the stone away. I'm speaking to somebody tonight online, more than one person. You're sitting there and, and you have a thought in your heart and you're saying, could it be? Could it, can, can, can I trust one more time? I trusted in the past, but he never showed. But here tonight, I'm feeling this, this strange stirring in my heart to move the stone away. No matter what people say about me, you know, Martha said, no, we can't do that. He's been dead for four days and he stinks. Maybe that's your testimony. Maybe that's what people have said about you. You've been, you've been so long paralyzed in this situation that there's, there's no aroma of life left, only a, a smell of death all over you, spiritual death. But Jesus said, roll away the stone. May, may I encourage you, sir, ma'am, tonight, young person, May I encourage you to roll the stone away. Even if you have to do it by faith, this, this thing you've placed in front of your life, this, 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 this thought that nothing will ever change, push it away and open your heart one more time and be willing to be vulnerable one more time. He said, if, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. You'll see God raise you as only God can. 
And they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And so I'm speaking tonight on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I speak to somebody tonight that's listening. Come forth. You know what your name is. And God is able to say a thousand names at one time. Come out of that place of darkness. Come out of that place of captivity. Come out of that place of death. Admit you can't save yourself. That's where it all begins. You're done. As a matter of fact, I think if you're dead, you have, a, you have more of an advantage than somebody that still has some strength left in them. I always found it ironic that in this whole scenario, that only the dead man could hear his voice. Nobody alive could hear him, but the dead man heard him. And you see, sometimes he waits till you're dead because that's when you can hear him. That's when it becomes him and him alone. It's his voice coming through the clamor. May I call it the, the cacophony or whatever you call that word, that of all the voices around you, all the voices in your head and all the voices that are saying there's no hope for you. And suddenly one voice comes and cuts right through the middle of them and calls your name and says, come forth. Come forth out of your addiction. Come forth out of your confusion. Come forth out of your broken life, your broken home, your broken marriage, your broken body. Come forth out of whatever it is that's holding you captive, and I'm going to give you life. That's the promise that came to Lazarus. I am the resurrection and the life. I have the power to raise you. That's what God would say to you tonight. If you would believe, you will see the glory of God. So that's your part. Your part is no more than Lazarus's was. When he heard the voice of God, he had to get up and move towards that voice. That's your part tonight. You get up from where you are and move towards the voice of the Son of God. Move out of your captivity. Move away from the smell of death. Move away from the practice of sin. Move away from everything that holds you captive and move towards the one who loves you enough to come to where you are tonight and call your name. He did love Lazarus. He loved him enough to go where he was and call him out of that place of death and call him into life. That's who Christ is. And that's what he's speaking to you and he's calling to you. Believe that he's the son of God. Believe that he's the Messiah. He's everything you've ever needed to be free from the penalty of sin. Believe that he came to you and died on a cross so that your sin might be forgiven. And when you get up, call him Lord and walk towards him and say, you are the Lord of my life from this day forward. I confess you as the God of my salvation. I confess you as my only hope. I confess you as the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to eternal life but through you. It's so ironic because later on in the Bible, Lazarus was sitting at the table with Jesus and people were coming not just because of Jesus, but because of Lazarus. And, you know, the interesting thing is like when you have a miracle, people will come to God because of your testimony. They'll come to him because of you. May I put it that way? They came to Christ because of Lazarus. God waits until the story is only about him. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. So my message to everybody here tonight, he's not late. He's right on time. He's calling your name. He's calling you. Hallelujah. 
There's a song I wrote years and years and years ago. It's on a CD called Quiet Times. Don't try to play it because you don't know it, okay? But it's on a CD called Quiet Times, and it's, I called it Calling My Name. It goes like this. I went back to the last place I'd known him to be. Every promise he'd once spoken seemed only for me. I don't know just how it happened, but in the midst of all my pain, softly, sweetly, I heard Jesus calling my name, calling my name, calling my name. Never I'd heard it with such sweet refrain. Through the tears all darkness vanished, and I'll never be the same since the morning I heard Jesus calling my name. Father, tonight, in Jesus' name, God, you are calling a whole generation out of death and into life. You're calling children because you said, let them come to me and don't forbid them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to these ones. You're calling teenagers and middle schoolers. You're calling high schoolers and college kids, moms, dads, young people. You're calling the depressed, the addicted, the afflicted, the nobodies, the nothings of this world. You're calling people who have given up on themselves. And you would say to them tonight, you may have given up on yourself, but I have never given up on you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. A nursing mother could forget her children, but I cannot forget you because I engraved you on the palms of my hands. Jesus, pray this prayer with me, everybody here and people online tonight that are listening. Lord Jesus Christ, I hear you. I hear you calling me. By, by your grace and with your strength, I'm going to get up and I'm going to trust that in believing you, I will see and know the glory of God. Thank you for not forgetting me and for coming to get me where I am in this lonely, dark place. From this day forward, I call you the Lord of my life, and I will follow you all of my days. It will be such a privilege to sit at your table. I love you, Jesus, and thank you for loving me. In your precious name, amen and amen. Praise God. Father, I do pray that for those that have prayed that from a sincere heart tonight, God, you, you are a God of miracles. We believe you raise the dead. We believe that you call out of darkness. We believe that you go to impossible places where all the devices of man and have failed. We believe, Lord, because you've taken us. And God, thank you for giving us a testimony that through the testimony of what you've done for each of us, God, others will come to you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. Oh God, you, t you said that we're a people to be set upon a hill whose testimony cannot be hidden from this world. This is what we long to be. 
And we're just so thankful that we're hearing your voice again. We're thankful, Lord, that we're hearing you calling us, God Almighty. In the midst of all of the clamor and the confusion and the evil of this time, we hear your voice cutting through all of it, calling us into life. And so, God, we're believing you for miracles, Jesus. We're believing that you are a miracle-working God. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for touching people tonight. Thank you, God, for testimonies that we will hear in the future of tonight was the night, that today was the day that I was raised out of darkness and brought into new life through Christ. Father, we give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We're going to take a moment. We're going to come to communion together. And uh, as we do, we're going to sing a song as we do every week. And then we're going to celebrate this great, great victory that Christ won for us on the cross 2,000 years ago. Be back in just a moment. God bless you. appropriate song. Your goodness is running after me. Hallelujah. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, 
the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I forgot to tell you at home, you can get some bread and some juice if you wanna partake with us. Most of you probably already know that, but you can. And if, if you miss this tonight, you can do it after. It doesn't have to be part of this ceremony. You can do it all by yourself a little later on. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Thank you, God. Proclaiming that we trust in the victory of the cross. That's what it's all about. We trust in the victory of the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd like to give an altar call tonight. Here in the, here in the, the main sanctuary here at our Bible school in Grantville, Pennsylvania, and Times Square Church's Bible school. And for those at home, you can just, just go on, get on your knees or stand up in your kitchen. It really doesn't matter. It's an issue of the heart. I don't know if Lazarus came out on his knees or if he crawled or if he walked. Did it really matter? Did it really matter? He was coming to Jesus. But you can do whatever you want to do. It's not about posture. It's about heart. You can stand if that means something. You can kneel if it means something. You can lay on the floor if it means something. You can walk around your apartment if it means something. But here's the altar call. I hear you. I hear you calling me, Lord. I hear you. It might be distant. It might seem like it's a long way away. But God, I hear you. I hear you. And I don't want to be, I don't want to lay in a place of darkness when you're calling me. I don't want to, I don't want to settle for second best when you're calling me. I don't want to live with regret when you're calling me. I don't want to live with old pain when you're calling me. I don't want to live with dysfunction in my home when you're calling me. I hear you, God. I hear you, God. Let's all stand together. And if, if you'd like to come forward and you just say, God, I, I hear you. I hear you. Just come and, and meet me here at the altar. And in, the, in your homes, you can come forward as well. In your, in your home. Come on, come on in close. Make room for those that are coming. I hear you, Lord. God, I hear you. I've had enough of this. I'm done. I'm going to trust you again. I'm just going to trust you again in this area of my life. Whatever that area is that I chose to bury and say there'll never be victory. We had a young lady told us tonight she got victory over pornography that got into her life at 12 years of age. I'm just going to trust you for victory now. I'm not living here anymore. I'm not staying in this place any longer. If there's a place in my mind or just rehearsing old wounds or grievances, whatever it is, I, I'm just, I hear you, God. I hear you. I hear you. Father, thank you, God. Oh, God, thank you. God, thank you. God, thank you. Jesus, you are indeed calling your people. Perhaps it's last call. It might be before you return. I don't know. I just know I hear you. I hear you, Lord. I hear you. Father God, in Jesus' name, answer the cry of every heart. Bring miracles out of darkness. Bring strength out of weakness. Do those things that God only you can do. Father, I thank you for it. Praise you in Jesus' name. 
We're going to sing one more song, and then Pastor Pavel is going to come and close this meeting tonight. And remember, at home, we always encourage you to stay and pray. Stay and pray. And wherever you are, you can be with a group or you can be alone, but say, God, give us your Holy Spirit. Let that be your prayer. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. We can't do this work without you, God. Give us the power that we need to be the people that we're called to be. Love you so much. Look forward to seeing you again next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And don't forget Pastor Tim Delina on Sunday morning at Times Square Church, tsc.nyc. Great to have you with us tonight from all over the world. We love you. God bless you. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. No, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. Because greater things are still to come. Fall like lightning And I saw darkness run for cover But the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven And I believe in signs and wonders And I have resurrection power in heaven my praise belongs to you forever this is my testimony from death to life cause grace rewrote my story I testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified this is my testimony this is my testimony Together, sons and daughters, walk with mud and wash in water. Sing it out, sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father. Cause our God will finish what He started. Oh, and our God will finish what He started. This is my testimony.
sing this. If I'm not dead, if I'm not dead, then you're not done. Thank you, Jesus. Because greater things are still to come. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, then you're not done. God is good and faithful. Amen. Let's give him a shout of praise and thank you so much for joining us online. We just want to remind you week after week that we love you and we so cherish that you have tuned in with us to pray and believe God for the impossible. Good night and we look forward to seeing you on Sunday and also next Wednesday. May God bless you and look forward to hear what God is doing in your life throughout this week.